G'day everybody, it is the Motor Focus Model Podcast for the final time in 2020. Aaron Noonan and Dimitri Camino from Motor Focus with you for the final episode of our inaugural voyage of podcasting of all things models. Dim, we made it. 16 episodes in the calendar year, in a year where we thought the world could end, it didn't end, we're pressed on. Final day of the year as we speak on New Year's Eve. Uh, happy 2020, but God, I can't wait for 2021 tomorrow. Yeah, good day, Noons. It uh, has been a crazy year for all, all the reasons we all know. And uh, But the good news is the, the world of model collecting has, has flourished through, through this period, and I think 2021 is going to be just as good. We've had amazing support throughout the course of the year since we launched this podcast uh, from those in the model collecting industry, from uh, the manufacturers, from the fans and the collectors who are obviously fueling the, the industry because they're buying the model cars. We've had an awesome number of questions and feedback and suggestions for the secondhand market. On this episode to round out the year, we are going to round out the Bathurst 1000 winning cars, what they're worth on the secondhand market. And I've tallied up the numbers. Well, you've tallied them up and sent them to me. If you own all of them, it's a pretty decent price. We'll reveal that one a little bit later on in the show. But first of all, some new arrivals around Christmas time. And uh, I've got to say, I'm feeling a bit festively plump right now, so I might need to hit the gym for the next few weeks. Um, but new arrivals at this time of year, uh, a bit of everything in terms of prints, model cars, display cases, but we'll start with authentic collectibles and uh, uh, a couple of prints and some model cars and a pretty well-awaited car among it all. But let's talk about the prints first. The Cam Waters Bathurst, Monster Lapper Bathurst, uh, pole position print is out and available and has arrived at Motor Focus. And the Scotty McLaughlin three-peat for the championship. Those two prints are limited edition collector's pieces and available from motorfocus.com.au. But I guess our listeners really also want to hear the Bathurst winner from 2019 has finally arrived. Yes, it certainly has. And uh, it was certainly worth the wait. It's a, it's a beautiful model car, um, comes with the trophy and the, the little um, windscreen banner sign that they, they sort of shake around on the podium. So, yeah, very impressed with authentic collectibles, uh, Mustang models. So we've got the, the Bathurst winner, as you say, from 2019 and also... Uh, Fabian Coulthard's 2019 season car is available now as well. I know there's been a, a lot of collectors really frustrated at the wait for the 2019 Bathurst winning car, but many, many reasons which Will Hall from Authentic did document in an episode with us earlier in the year. Uh, but you just mentioned one of the key things, and I've got um, one as well, uh, the quality. It's been worth the wait because from everything I've looked at up close here, uh, it's, it's top notch. It's a great model. Yeah, it certainly is. They, um, they've done a superb job and, uh, and you know, that mould is now going to be used for all the season cars from last or from uh, 2019 onwards. So really looking forward to the, to the other cars to roll through as well. We're going to cover off the 2019 winner as the final chapter of our Bathurst winning car values. It's probably a bit wrong for it to be in the second-hand market when it's a brand new car. But for the purposes of covering the Bathurst winning cars, it will go in the mix a bit later in the show. Display cases. We haven't talked display cases probably at all on this show, I don't think, in 16 episodes, maybe once or twice. But uh, DDA have got some some new cases in store with you now too. Yeah, that's right. They've um, 
worked hard with their, their factory in, in China to uh, bring out some specific bigger sizes. Uh, so there's one that will fit a 112th scale uh, V8 supercar model. So that's available. There's also some other even bigger cases where you can sort of put a diorama in it or you can put like a Moffat ramp truck, um, trailer combinations, things like that. So just check them out on our, uh, on our website in the accessories section to, to sort of get your dimensions and see what might suit you. Motorfocus.com.au is the website. Don't forget, join the Collectors Club. 5% discount. It's a very good reason to become a part of the Collectors Club with Motorfocus. Uh, Bianti, well, <laughs> they've had plenty going on. We'll cover off their supercar pre-orders in just a moment. But uh, a couple of roadies in a race car in terms of um, uh, SSV Redline, Commodore, VF, and uh, Skyline as well. So there's some, some nice variety here. Yeah, for sure. The, um, the, the VF Commodore that um, Bianti have produced is, a, again, excellent detail model. So this is the jungle green colour, and it's available in the 118th and the 143rd scale. Uh, one of their Bianti's agencies um, that they carry, the Mini GT range, so they're little 164 scale model cars, really good detail and quality, and uh, we've just got some Skyline GDR R32s that are now available. Uh, there's the road car, the, the S-Tune, which is a silver car, and the very popular HKS race car is available as well. So uh, for the smaller scale collectors, it's definitely something worth checking out. Definitely worth checking out. Jump on the website. We keep saying it. I'll keep bashing people over the head with it. Motorfocus.com.au. Now, uh, pre-orders. A huge list announced recently just heading into Christmas by Bianti. Um with their supercars from the 2020 season in 118th and 143rd. There will be no 164th scale supercars from 2020 made by Bianchi. Before I go through the list, because it's a pretty decent list of, uh, of ZB Commodores, uh, what's your understanding? There's obviously a, there's a price increase here, though, that we probably should, uh, should tell the listeners about. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the one eighteenth scale supercars will uh, the retail will be two fifty, uh, obviously less than five percent discount with us. One forty thirds will be up to eighty nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned the one sixty fourth not being made, and uh, again that's just the minimum order quantities I believe for them to to produce are a thousand, and in the past they're only sort of getting five six hundred sort of pre-order sort of quantities. Um, so that's really disappointing to, to see that, but it's but it's understandable from Bianchi's uh, business point of view there. So let's run through the cars. So these are all Commodore ZBs from the 2020 Supercars Championship. So from Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, the bright, and they've picked delivery for each car based upon a particular result. So as of a particular race weekend, rather than it's the season car for a certain driver, uh, so in the case of Walkinshaw and Dreddy United, the Bryce Fullwood number two Mobile One Midi's car will be as it was at the bend when he finished on the podium, his first ever podium. So that's a, a smart decision from those guys to do that with Bryce's car. Uh, for Chas Mostert, uh, they're going to, there's a couple of versions here. So there's the uh, runner-up Adelaide 500 car with the Mobile One appliances online. Remember that the livery changed on that car after that first round in Adelaide. So um, a little bit of a tune-up. Uh, there's also the Mostert Warren Luff third place Bathurst um, car as well. So 
Um, obviously, the livery by the, the end of the season was different to the start of the season. It's a Bathurst podium finisher, and obviously Warren Luff was in the mix there and, and doing what he does and, and scoring podiums. Um, Brad Jones Racing, they had a bunch of liveries throughout the course of the year. For Nick Perkett's number eight car, it is the Dunlop Super Dealer livery that he won at Sydney Motorsport Park in. Remember the restart of the championship after the, the long COVID-induced break from Melbourne Park. A couple of different Todd Hazelwood versions. I reckon these will be popular, Dim, because they're doing um, his podium finish from Sydney Motorsport Park in the brute military grade livery. I, I wonder if that car is like scratch and sniff. Does it smell really nice too? If you, if you rub it, I'm not sure. Um, but they've also done the Team Black Duck livery that he ran a bit later in the year in Townsville when he took his first ever supercars uh, pole position when the team locked out the front row. So uh, if you're a BJR fan, there's a, there's a couple there to choose from. Team 18, Mark Winterbottom's Irwin Racing 18 car is based on his Darwin Triple Crown uh, car. So obviously the different decals, decals, depending on which side of the fence you come from, uh, Retaining pertaining to each different event and the event sponsor will be different on the side. Uh, Frosty finished fourth in Darwin. Didn't get a podium this year, but that's his best result of the season. So hence why they've gone with that. Uh, and also actually that same weekend, Scott Pye finished on the podium uh, in the DeWalt car. So they're, they're going to do the model of that car from that event. Uh, and, and a couple more BJR cars, they're Bathurst liveries. So the Nick Perkett, Tom Randall, uh, R&J batteries, number eight car, which was beset by a, a bunch of gremlins after really looking strong coming into the weekend. And the 14 car, Todd Hazelwood, Jordan Boyce, uh, the uh, Cub Cadet Motors, uh, Mowers, what am I saying, Motors, Mowers uh, car uh, livery. So a nice little mix there between Walkinshaw's BJR and, and Team 18, some Bathurst cars, some achievement cars during the year with podiums and, and poles and the like. So there's some, some good choice there for collectors that Bianti have, have announced to put to pre-order. And we've said it all year. If you want one of these cars, don't sit on your hands. Pre-order them, put your name down with uh, Motor Focus, make sure you don't miss out because the, the manufacturers more than ever now, Dim, are making on the basis of what they get pre-orders. They don't just go, oh, well, we had 500 pre-orders, let's make 5,000. They don't want to get stuck with more stock than they think they can move. They want to produce decent quantities. So people have just got to put their hands up. We can't say it. I'm going to say it every episode. I think we have anyway, but we'll do it again next year because it's totally crucial. Look, Noons, the, the, the people are responding to your call. Uh, we're seeing excellent <laughs> Don't blame me. So. You're part of this too. You're part of this too. So, yeah, all, all your bashing up of people is working. Uh, but, look, I think there's there's a lot of liveries there from BJR and uh, maybe our good friend Kim Jones has had uh, flexing his muscle there and making sure all his cars are getting done or... Uh, for, for uh, the sponsors. Uh, but, look, I think the standouts amongst that list, I really like that brute military-grade car of Hazelwood. You know, Chaz Mostert's always popular, and uh, Percat cars have been going really well lately as well. Yeah, I think Nick's had a, an amazing year in 2020, not just two race wins, and he's had his best championship finish um, since he's been at BJR, but his stocks have risen. Um, I think, and part of that's the E-Series. Part of that's his dog. Nelson the Chocolate Labrador became a superstar this year, but he's dealing much better, I think, with his, his media stuff and the awkwardness that he's had in the past. He talked about it with us on the V8 Sleuth podcast earlier in the year. So I think um, and he's become a real leader for, for BJR as well. He's been around a long time now. He's not the new kid on the block. He's 
not a veteran, but he's he's an experienced uh, experienced driver. I, I really reckon. I reckon the brute car will go really well. Um, and I think the, the Chas Mostert stuff, clearly the Bathurst car and the Adelaide car, the two different liveries. A lot of passionate Walkinshaw fans out there who've collected their cars through the HRT era, through the HSV dealer team and um, and the modern, you know, um, version of that team at Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. So I think that they'll be pretty popular. Now, Commodores aren't the only thing, though, that Bianchi have announced in terms of supercars from 2020. There's some Mustangs as well. Uh, easy to forget that Bianchi are doing Mustangs because authentic collectibles are doing DJR Team Penske and, and Tickford Racing. But uh, Bianchi's also announced, uh, in terms of Mustangs, uh, the Kelly cars, three different versions in 118th and 143rd. So the Rick Kelly car from uh, the Ben, the Castro livery, his Bathurst car with that very unique, we're on it somewhere, very small, uh, with all of those photos that was that amazing mosaic of that wrap that was put on the car for Bathurst, which, as it turned out, uh, is Rick's last start as a full-time supercars driver. And, and the Ned car that Andre Heimgartner took to pole, his first pole position at City Motorsport Park during the year. So I think they'll be really popular too with um, the Ford fans. Castrol cars have got great cut through, I think. And, and Andre, he's a guy who's starting to, to work his way up the order and, and be more of a, a factor as well. So... Plenty of Holdens there to go through. Plenty of Fords to go through. Uh, 1/12 scale um, resin models too. Remember that Bianchi has the deal with Triple Eight to make the bigger version car. So they've also announced that there'll be the Jamie Wincup Adelaide Race One winning version car. Shane Van Gisbergen's Race One uh, car from Adelaide. So how those cars started the season. So obviously different livery. Remember Caltex was on those cars at the start of the year, and the brand change that companies had in Australia uh, Ampol livery was on the cars for later in the year so the two other versions are the Bathurst cars um, from October obviously the winning car of Van Gisberg and Tander and the crashed car of Jamie Winkup and Craig Lance so some some livery detail differences and of course there was the thanks Holden fans down the side of both of those cars so plenty of pre-orders to come from Bianchi so make sure you put your name down uh, alongside some of those to make sure that you get what you're after, whether it be the Commodores, the Mustangs, or the, the big Commodores as well. Um, resin model 112, we're talking $500 RRP for one of those. A little bit less if you're a part of the collector's club. Yeah, that's right, mate. Um, they they're had that small increase as well, up to 500 at re at the uh, recommended retail. Good, good. 5% uh, off too is always... Very, very handy. So join the Collectors Club. It's just, if you don't do it, you're silly. Save money. Two words. Two magic words. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. Uh, we've had a huge year, Dim, with uh, questions from listeners, uh, from Motor Focus Socials through V8 Sleuth as well. Um, probably more questions than we've been able to deal with, and it probably caught us a little bit off guard. So thank you, everyone, who's taken the time to, to send them in. We'll go through a few more here on the last episode of the year. Uh, Jason asks, is there a method in Australia? This is an interesting question, actually. I never really stopped to think about this. Is there a method in Australia to authenticate a model signed by the driver of said vehicle and without photo proof of when this happened, does it affect the value of the model either way? So, yes, it's a signed car by Craig Lowndes, Jamie Winkup, but if there's no proof that they signed it, a photo of them, a certificate saying that they did it on this date from the team, do you think it affects the price? Do you think there's people out there doing dodgies? What's your take? 
Yeah, really good question. And, and thanks, Jason, for, for sending that in. Um, look, th there isn't a way that I'm aware of, of authenticating signatures. Um, you know, does it affect the price? We've had a, a discussion about this in the past and uh, some people love it, some people don't. I, I personally like it. Um, I, I don't think it affects the price that much. Like people often say to me, oh, I've got this car and it's signed. You know, how much is it worth? And I generally say to people, look, you know, it just depends on the driver, you know, how accessible they are, how popular they are. But um, I don't see a huge difference in price with a signed car even if it's a Brock sign car. Um, now, because of, the reason, because of that reason where I don't see a huge difference in pricing, I, I think that lessens the chance of people doing dodgy activity and, and signing cars fakely or anything like that. So it's a legitimate um, concern, but I don't think it's one that we, we sort of have to worry about too much with, with, our, uh, with our hobby. Yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a good point. Great question, though. Great question. It really does get the mind ticking. Uh, Nick's next up, Nick Kerslake. Um, he's really enjoyed the podcast. He's really learned how to get his question onto this podcast. If you tell us that we're great and it's going good and you really like it, fair chance you're going to get your question asked. He says, is it possible to do a segment on a few of the lesser-known manufacturers? So Dinkum Classics, Trax, Paradise Garage, he said it'd be great to learn a bit more about these older brands and what value that they hold in the market today. Yeah, look, really good point again from Nick there. Um, a lot of those brands, he's well, Dinkum Classics, for instance, a uh, very old brand of model, uh, have not produced anything for a very long time. They were really the pioneers of Australian content uh, back when no one really cared about rights and royalties and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> They just banged them out and uh, did a pretty good job considering uh, the method they had to use back in those days. Uh, Tracks, well, they're still going. Uh, they've, they've modified their business greatly over the years. Um, Paradise Garage is another one that was propped up for a while. Uh, but I guess his point is, yeah, there are other brands out there and uh, people are right into them. So it's not something we see a lot of, um, you know, those brands never really had dealer networks and uh, sold products to stores and that sort of thing, even back in those days, and Trax hasn't done that for many years either. So, you know, when we see that product, it's, it's in the second-hand market and, and collections like that sort of thing. But, you know, let me uh, put it on our list of ideas and uh, we'll see what we can, we can do next year for Nick. Well, we do have a second-hand market segment on the podcast, so I think it would be a good thing to slot in there. We'll add it to the list for 2021. Uh, Nathan McWhorter uh, with the, the last question. Love the show. He's, he's, he's got this down pat too. He's, he's definitely got this down pat. Can you ask Bianti, are they ever going to make the 1998 Scaife Lounge Bathurst HRT Commodore, that's the VT, in 118 scale? He says it's a huge hole in his HRT lounge collection, and given the popularity of the team and the drivers, he would have thought it would be a no-brainer. Now, didn't they announce some years ago that they were going to make the lounge championship-winning VT from 98 and it didn't happen? Therefore, I guess the Bathurst-winning car went the same way. Yeah, look, it's, it's a hard one because, you know, it's the old minimum order quantity issue. 
Uh, Classics had announced a couple of HRT cars in the past and, and it fell over because of, of the numbers. Um, Richard would be listening, so he may be able to shed some light on it, but Bianti used an auto art mould back in those days to do that sort of era of car. So it may be difficult to get the uh, minimum order quantity for them to do it. But, you know, we'll run it by Richard um, in the new year and see if uh, he can sh shed some light on it too. We've got plenty to run past uh, the various manufacturers of models. We did chat to uh, Richard Poole from Bianti earlier in the year. If you're new to the podcast, by the way, and you, you've caught on late, uh, we've got a bunch of shows from over the course of the year, 15 previous programs for you to go back through and listen to all the podcasts. One of them, we had a chat with Richard Poole from Bianti, another one with Will Hall from Authentic, and we'll uh, chat to those guys, obviously, going into next year. Another thing that's on the list to ask Richard about next year uh, came up in our last podcast just before Christmas, and it was a really interesting topic that a, a listener had posed to us about whether it would be or should be made the Peter Brock Daytona Coupe, of course, the car that he was tragically killed in back in 2006 in Western Australia. We ran a poll on the V8 Sleuth website, and... In a week or so of it being open, a week and a half that we ran it for, 58% um, of people responded, said, yes, it should be made. 42% said no. Now, that audience is obviously not a fully hardcore model car audience. It's a wider, broader motorsport audience. And your numbers on the MotorFocus Facebook page are very, very different, really. And, and probably it's probably due to the fact that your followers are more all model car collector followers rather than the V8 Sleuth world, which is some of those people, but obviously a, a broader reach. What was the final percentage in, in your world? Yeah, so with with uh, what we saw, uh, I worked out about 75% were saying yes to 25% saying no. And uh, like you say, I, I, I truly believe that, you know, the people on, on the Facebook page are 99% model collectors. Uh, as opposed to maybe some of the people who uh, voted on the V8 Sleuth site. So the other thing that came up in the comments a lot was um, do the Tassie car, maybe not the Targa West car. So, mm -hmm. And I think that's the, that's the way that I'd love to see it go if, if uh, Bianchi could, could um, produce that model. It's an interesting one. We'll pose it to, to Richard Poole from Bianchi next year and follow up and, and dig a little bit deeper but it was a very interesting response that we got uh, time for the second hand market it has been a well it's been a long drawn out process the bathurst winners when you do a decade each time it uh, does add up because there's lots of years of history from mount panorama before we bowl into this segment the final one of the year we got so wrapped up last episode talking about the prices of different cars we forgot to mention the 2000 bathurst winning grm tanda bargwana car uh, I think a very special customer of yours, Graham, pointed out that uh, we forgot to give the price of what you reckon it's worth. What do you reckon one of those is worth on the second-hand market for those who are waiting with bated breath to find out what dollar number to add to their overall Bathurst winners tally? Well, the good news is they can, uh, they can pencil in about the $500 mark for the 2000 Bathurst winner. Good. I've got that one in the cabinet at work. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Uh, our last uh, stanza, it's uh, been a multiple stanza. What do you call a bunch of stanzas? 
I'm not sure. Good that's question. Me. That's something that's to Google. Me. Yeah, we have to Google that. Uh, let's look at 2011 to 2019 to kick it on home. Uh, 2011, HRT victory for Garth Tander and Nick Percat. Of course, Percat winning on debut in the great race. Uh, classic collectibles have really dominated uh, this decade of Bathurst winning model cars with the teams that they've been involved with. Um, Tander Percat, 3,100 of those produced by Classic. $400 value. Is that because it's a HRT car? Is it because it's now nearly 10 years old? That's a pretty decent value for a, a run that's pretty comparative to other ones of the era. Yeah, for sure. I, that one surprised me when I when I did a bit of homework. Uh, I thought it may have been a little bit lower, but um, yeah, $400 seems to be a, a fair price for it. Uh, it was Percat's first go at the Bathurst 1000, wasn't it? And to, mm. to win it in his first go, uh, pretty special. It uh, was a last-ditch run to the line, Tanda beating home Craig Lowndes. 2012, Team Vodafone winning with Jamie Winkup and Paul Dumbrell, holding off Dave Reynolds in the bottle of Ford. Now, they produced only 2,675 of that model. Uh, and that car, that is the most... That's Kate. That's Jamie's... The car he owns now, in fact. Championship winner of 2011-12. Bathurst winner. Winner of more championship races than any other car in the history of the Australian Touring Car slash V8 Supercar slash Supercars Championship. I won 28 championship races, and that one at Bathurst was probably one of the biggest... So I'm a little bit staggered that they made less of those, 2,675. The value is only a little bit more than that HRT car. But do you reckon over time there's room for that one to grow because Wink Up's closer to the end than the start? And I almost feel like the fan base have gone from it's – it's the tall poppy thing in Australia that we have. When he came up with Triple Eight and he popped up and won, people went – how great's this? New bloke, new winner, new fresh face. Then he started winning loads and people went, oh, we're sick of him. He's, to, he's up himself. He's this, he's that. Now he's, he's not falling off the curve. He's still a competitive factor. Will he win a championship again? Not sure. How many years has he got left? One, two, three, who really knows? But I think we're going to see that whole, oh, yeah, he won seven championships, 120-something races, I think his stuff, and I'm really interested in your take here, is going to go up because the rose-coloured glasses will go on and the people who used to go, oh, Wink Up, will now go, wow, Wink Up, he was pretty phenomenal. His stats and his numbers don't lie. And that'll fuel a bit of that. I call it the missing GDR thing. Hate it at the time. If you give it enough time, though, people go, wow, how great was that? That was amazing. That was cool. I reckon that's what's going to happen here and these will go up. What do you reckon? Look, I really hope so. Um, you know, I've been a bit of a closet Win Cup fan for many, many years. <laughs> uh, but I also had the same thoughts, you know, why do people not want to buy his his gear, you know? Oh, well, that's a good point. I reckon if he wasn't teammates with Craig Lowndes for so many years, we yep. wouldn't be having as much of this discussion. Yeah. I totally agree with that too. It's a bit like no one likes Sebastian Vettel because he was beating uh, Mark Webber. Who, who was, you know, our, our fan favourite. So when Wind Cup come along and was pretty much had the wood over everyone's favourite, Craig Lowndes, yeah, people didn't like it too much. Uh, but, you know, look at his record and uh, he, he's a quiet sort of personality, I guess, at times. Uh, but 
you know, if you want to, if you want the Bathurst winning collection and you want the 2012 in there, regardless of whether you're a Wind Cup fan or not, um, that's the car, and and why, and that's why I think at 450, uh, it's a fair price, and and it should uh, go up in the future. I reckon that's going to sneak up. When you look at the, the volumes of the winning cars produced by the manufacturers over the course of this decade, it's the third smallest behind, and not by much, the 2016 Will Davison Techno car and the Dave Reynolds Erebus car were, were the only smaller runs. So I, I really reckon that there's, there's room for that to grow. So if you've got that in your collection, I would be not moving it on anytime soon. Uh, 2013, we moved to Car of the Future. So... The chassis in beneath the panel work of all the cars has been the same ever since that point. Mark Winterbottom and Steve Richards, Frosty finally winning his first Bathurst after 10 attempts and the team the same amount of times. 3,100 produced of those, but you don't see too many of those around these days and they're pulling good money. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's a car that uh, when Classics collectibles uh, switched over to the car of the future, you know, they went to seal body, lower levels of detail. The market wasn't really happy about it. Um, and uh, I think if they had their fully detailed model continuing, the numbers would have been bigger than 3,100 produ produced. Uh, so a lot of people have had to go back and get that car when uh, they didn't get it at, at release because um, they, didn't, they didn't like that change. So yeah, $500 is sort of what I see them going for at the moment. Of course, the team FPR with the Pepsi Max sponsorship backed up the next year, but with Chaz Mostert and Paul Morris, that famous last lap pass on Jamie Winkup, the car that had started last on the grid, that had been in the tyre wall, that had the front smashed up. Paul Morris had been uh, parked at Griffin's Bend for a while. Uh, I'm interested in this. They, they, is it because they made more of that one than 2013 that the value isn't as high? I reckon there's... Mostert's going to become, you know, he's already big, but he's going to become bigger and he's still got a long way to go. So you reckon there's more room for growth on the value of this car? Because you're talking about $400 for the 2014 winner. They produced 3,600, 500 more than the previous year's car. Do you reckon that the ceiling's higher to grow for the 2014 winner than the 13? Yeah, I don't see why it can't um, surpass the, the 2013 car value. Um, there's also the other guy, uh, Paul, the dude, Morris, who who has gained status over the last couple of years. And uh, maybe there's a few people wanting to collect a few of his cars now as well. But incredible win. I think it was one of the longest races ever. They stopped it to fix the track and uh, we were there. <laughs> trading and we just wanted to pack up and go home but uh it was the longest day ever so yeah, yeah. it was yep yep the only Bathurst 1000 with a halftime uh, oranges break yeah. it's uh i thought they were going to change ends there for a while it was uh, that long of a halftime break at uh, 2015 holding back on top with craig lowndes and steve richards in the red bull triple eight car uh classic collectibles three thousand units uh, $550, you are saying this one's worth. Is that the lounge factor popping back up? Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. Um, that surprised me, uh, you know, for, for a three thousand run. Um, it's not a it's not a lot for for Lowndes and and a Bathurst winner. So, yeah, cool cool model, and um, you know, everyone loves Craig Lounds. So, 
at, at 550, it, it's definitely the uh, the lounge factor there. Yeah, big run of winners from Classic Collectibles. I think they produced, oh, from our previous show, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but they had the, the last, well, from 2006, the three triple eight cars and then the 2009 HRT Tander and Davison car. So yeah. from 2006 right through to 2015, they had the Bathurst winning car every year between HRT, Triple Eight, or or FPR. Um, so in 2016, uh, different team, different faces. Uh, Bianti got a, a Bathurst winner for the first time in 11 years. Will Davison, John O'Webb, Techno, um, Sticks, Commodore VF. Smaller run. No real surprises here in the smaller run, given it's not a top-line team like Triple Eight or HRT. Will Davison's been around. has got a bit of a following. But 2,304 produced, but they just haven't moved in price on the market at all, really. They've, they've not moved the marker. Yeah, it is surprising uh, for a Bathurst winner. You know, it's a, it's a fully detailed opening model. So, you know, but again, I think... There's still a bit of um, stock out there, and uh, as they dry up over the next couple of years, you'll you'll see that one climbing. Remember too that they weren't uh, first across the line; they were second across the line because Wing Cup was first. Though penalised 15 seconds post race for that incident and the rejoin and all the stuff that went on at the chase with Scott McLaughlin and Garth Panda. Now, 2017, a popular win: Dave Reynolds, Luke Yulden for Erebus, the, the Erebus's team. Uh, Erebus teams, I should say, breakthrough Bathurst performance and a first Bathurst winner for Authentic Collectibles in their first year of, of operation from memory. Only 2,202 of those produced and that coupled with the fact that that team's developed a bit of a following puts that pretty decently in terms of the values for a car that's only three years old. Yeah, for sure. And I think... Um you know, with Authentics being uh, the new kid on the block, some collectors may have been a little bit um, sort of wait and see sort of view on on, on the quality and on all that sort of stuff. And I think if uh, Will had his time again, he probably would have liked to have made more. Uh, but he can only go by the pre-order sort of situation there. So, you know, it, that one's climbed very, very well up to like $500 at the moment. Um we had a, a question last week about a the dirty version, which was specifically done for the team. Um, it, it was a sort of a way of you know everyone was caught so short on that car, so the team wanted wanted some more for for their sort of channels as well. So uh, the the dirty version was uh, dreamt up and produced. Um, some people sort of said it was a little bit too dirty, uh, but you know it, it's a pretty cool model and and. It will stand out well in your collection as something different there, and to, to only five hundred and four of them produced. So you're looking at about the six hundred and fifty dollar mark to um, put one of them in your cabinet. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought it would replicate how the car looked at the end of the race because it was a wet day at Bathurst, and the the windscreen banner strip had been you know removed by the windscreen wiper, and all of the um, various bumps and scrapes and sandblasting that the front spoiler gets, and the like. Uh, it would be very difficult to replicate all of those things. But I think that uh, as much as you probably heard from people who said they didn't like it, uh, it took enough people to buy it, to put value in it, to to make it worth worth the while. Uh, 2018, Classic got back on top after a couple of years of no Bathurst wins. They had 
you know, what, 2006 right through to 2015. A little bit of a pause. They, they win again through Lowndes and Steve Richards. Makes it sound like the model car companies are having the race at Bathurst, not the actual teams when I say it like that. Of course, Lowndes' um, year of his full-time retirement, 2018, again with Steve Richards. This time, though, Autobahn livery, not the Red Bull livery that we'd seen him in for so many years. And no doubt, given that was his last full-time year, Popular victory, his seventh Bathurst victory and Richo's fifth. Classics went up there, 5,700. And even though it's a lounge car, it's the quantity that's hurt the value. Yeah, look, it is a lot, a lot to be produced for a uh, modern day sort of uh, Bathurst winner. But the, again, the lounge factor there, um, I, I believe there was one store in Australia that had a massive order of possibly a thousand which uh, certainly would push the numbers up as well but um, uh, 250 is kind of where that model is at the moment but again it's it's going to move up the the tree in the years to come it's a lounge car fact there's no other way to describe it so at some point people will want all of his Bathurst winning cars once he finally does decide to uh, to pull the pin and if he doesn't win any more that's the one that they've got to kind of start with to work their way backwards down the line. Which brings us to the final car in our long series of second-hand market and our Bathurst winning uh, models and what they're worth. We talked about the start. It's a bit strange that a new release is now in the second-hand market, but it's the theme of Bathurst winners. Go with us. It's been a long year. It's been a long year. 2019, Scotty McLaughlin, Alex Premer, Shell V-Power Racing Team, DJR Team Penske Ford Mustang GT. It's a very long run-up here because there's a, a lot in the title. Uh, 7,000 being produced by Authentic Collectibles. So that's the biggest run of a Bathurst-winning model car we've seen since 2007 when Classics made 9,000 of the Lounge Wink-Up Vodafone BF Falcon. So obviously, value-wise, it's the value of what it is to buy, $250. What's your take on – is that – too many that it means, or not too many, but a quantity that means it'll take a few years before they sort of run out of stock around all the stores and yourself and, and it gets into the secondhand market that'll help sneak it up a little bit. What's your feeling? It's a, it's a big number, but there's a lot of popularity there of Ford fans who, you know, hadn't had a Bathurst win since 2014. It's the first Mustang. It's the, you know, it's a Johnson team car, the famous 17. There's a lot of things going for it that mean that doing such a big number probably will still work out okay. What's, what's your take? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you said You said there. You know, the, 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 the first Mustang to win the Bathurst race, uh, you know, with uh, McLaughlin's first win, the great race, there's 7,000 for a reason, you know, and, and watch them fly and uh, they'll, they'll be all sold out in no time. And, uh, and that's when we see the uh, increase in value on the second-hand market. So, yeah, I, I don't see a problem with that, that model at all uh, being, you know, it's not overproduced. Um, and there's every good reason why there's 7,000 made. Yeah, I think there'll be plenty of people snapping those up. And I know that um, since uh, they've been distributed just before Christmas by Authentic that, People have been uh, on the hunt because they've been waiting patiently for that model and I know that the Authentic team have uh, them themselves been quite, quite counting down the hours and the days and the weeks and the months to 
to getting their hands on that one. So that gets us up to current now. Of course, 2020, um, the win, uh, Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander, uh, that will be produced and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that down the track and see how the value of that one unfolds. But from 1963, when we started this, and if you haven't heard our previous episodes, just go back through the last five or six and you'll cover off each of the decades with our values of all of the particular cars and some of the notes relating to the Bathurst winning cars from over the years. That's 56 models from 1963 to 2019. Drum roll, please, Dimitri. Total value, if you own all of those models, is approximately how much? Well, it's a staggering price. It's approximately $33,000 if you've got an example for every year to date. Wow. When you, when you say it like that and you add it all up, that's a lot of investment. That's a lot of value. That's a decent insurance bill some of our listeners should be thinking about as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we've touched on it on, on previous podcasts about uh, insurance there. And uh, you certainly want to make sure you've got your, uh, your investment, your collection uh, covered in, in case of uh, any, um, any problems there with, with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I've really enjoyed taking a look at this because when you look at the quantity numbers, you look at the values now, you look at the potential values in the future, um, some very wise investments made by model collectors over the course of previous years. And sometimes just keeping that collection going of every Bathurst winner, even if it's a team that you're not a follower of or a driver, you might not particularly follow that closely. Keeping the streak alive, I think this is all proof that it's worth um, getting your hands on those ones as they come out because reality is none of them have gone backwards. So it's a pretty good sign that if you if look, if you've got a wife or a partner or a um, someone in your family, your mum, your dad, who doesn't quite get the whole model car collecting thing, mum, dad, wife, husband, it's an investment. We've got the proof. We've done it for the last five or six pods. It's all right here. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, and again, you know, the enjoyment we get out of owning these model cars uh, and, and to know that, that, that they're worth money if you ever needed to sell them, anything like that is is an absolute bonus so um yeah you know it, it's what means the most to australian that the majority of australian uh, motorsport fans is is that great race so there's no surprise we we see uh the collectability right up there we've had a great list of secondhand market suggestions from our our listeners throughout the course of the year we will dive back into them when we fire up again in 2021 but two that I'd like to put on our list personally, I want to do the five most valuable Jim Richards cars and the five must-have Jamie Winkup cars, i.e. that you reckon are going to be worth having for value in the future, connecting back to my, my comments from earlier on. Can you add that to the list for me? I'll do that right now, mate. I'm not seeing you with your pen. I'm looking at you on Zoom. You are not writing it down. You must have a very good mental memory, Mr. Camino. That's all I can say. Um, thanks again, everyone, for your secondhand suggestions. Thoroughly enjoyed bringing you that segment right throughout the course of the year. Uh, we're virtually at the finish line now on 2020. We're going to take a break of, uh, for the Motor Focus Model podcast for January, but we plan to be back in February 2021. A reminder, too, Motor Focus is open through the Christmas break except for uh, the public holidays, so don't roll up on New Year's Day hammering on the door. There will be no one there to let you in. But, of course, 
you can shop from home, motorfocus.com.au. Jump on the website, join the Collectors Club, get your 5% discount and save some money and buy some model cars. Um, again, to keep the questions coming in, even though we're not doing the podcast for the next month or so through Motor Focus social channels and um, through the emails and the like, we'll, we'll bind them all together. We'll, we'll, we'll work our way. It'll probably take us five months to answer the questions from while we've been away for a month, but keep them coming, keep the passion, keep collecting and uh, keep listening because we're going to keep growing this thing in the future. We're off to a nice solid start in 2021, but we want to take this thing bigger and higher next year. So Dimitri, happy new year, mate. Uh, I know you're not a drinker, so don't go wild on the mineral waters tonight. Keep it calm. Don't put any cordial in it for crying out loud. You, you won't come down for days after this. Oh, mate, look, I'll still have a great time uh, tonight celebrating uh, the, the, the year is finally over. Uh, but I just want to say thanks to you, Noons, for your uh, commitment to the podcast. Your enthusiasm and your knowledge is, is great to tie in with, with the models that, that we talk about. Um, and, you know, a, a massive thanks to our listeners and uh, all the feedback we get. It's, it's really appreciative. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it myself, mate. I, I'm, a, I'm a model car fan from way back. I'm a motor racing fan as well. And when you came to me with this idea, um, and it was about the COVID time when things were a little bit strange and quiet, um, and we thought, you know what? This is a good idea. We should do this. We've done 16 episodes. We're going to line up again. Uh, actually, you know what? First episode next year is episode number 17. I think it's only fair that the second-hand market refers Dick Johnson cars. That's a pretty good way to start the new year. Do you agree? Oh, look, deal. Done. All right, done, done. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, there's some homework for you for over summer. Again, thank you to everybody for for listening. Jump on the website, motorfocus.com.au. Join the Collectors Club. Pre-order. If you don't, I will find you and I will give you a Chinese burn for 2021. Uh, I'm going to keep hammering people about all this stuff. They'll be sick of hearing about it. But I reckon we're getting our point across. So again, thank you everybody for listening in 2020 on the Motor Focus Model Podcast. Keep collecting, keep the passion alive, and we will chat to you in 2021.